My Car Guru, episode 167. Well, hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of My Car Guru. I am been working feverishly today to try to make reservations to go to Las Vegas for 24 hours. Yeah, Ford has this bright idea that they're going to they're going to fly all of their dealers in to Las Vegas and uh, explain to us just exactly what is going on with this whole new program. If you read I watched a YouTube video the other day, but you can read a lot of information too about the demise of the car dealer and that Ford is getting rid of dealers and that the uh, CEO of Ford Motor Company uh, doesn't like dealers anymore because they make the car buying experience um, not fun. And there's a lot of people who would agree with that. I would agree with that in many cases. Uh, I was just at my uh, cardiac rehab the other day listening to the radio that is force-fed to us and listening to uh, car dealer commercials and the same old thing, you know, um, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Oh, really? Uh, what happens to the balance? Uh, read the fine print. Um, so another dealer was talking about, uh, we'll pay you up to $8,000 over book value for your trade. Really? Um, interesting. Does that apply to the cars that you have on sale? Oh, no, no. No, it only applies to, let me take you and show you the car that it applies to. It's back here. It's, it's beside the dumpster. Uh, we call it Dumpy, just for short. We use him all the time as our $8,000 of a trade value car. So let me show him to you. Right. There he is. Well, I don't want that. Of course you don't. Now let's, let's talk about a real deal. Let's find out what you're really going to buy, okay? And I'll tell you what I'm going to really pay you for your trade-in. How's that? You know, if they would just do their commercials honestly, tell you the truth, then car dealers wouldn't have a bad rap. Another thing that gives car dealers a bad rap is probably charging forty and fifty thousand dollars over MSRP for the all the all new F one fifty Lightning. Well, it's not just dealers, folks. I was watching an online auction the other day, and there's a one hundred and seventy seven mile F one fifty Lightning pickup truck for sale, and it's not being sold by a dealer. It's being sold by an individual who bought it and decided to flip it and make a bunch of money. So it's not just us. You know, we're not the only people that have a, uh, we're capitalists. Yeah, that's true. I mean, just about everybody is. I mean, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a capitalist. I don't like them. Well, then, you know, go to Russia. Go someplace where capitalism is frowned upon. Even Russia, though, capitalism is alive and well. The profit motive it's there. It's just about everywhere, and it's been around since biblical times. You'd think we have, would be used to it by now, but yeah, car dealers have given themselves a uh, bad rap. It's well-earned, but the public um, has responded to it, unfortunately. You know, when they put the big gorilla up in the front yard and, and raise the balloons and, and, you know, have all of the, the uh, circus atmosphere, um, you know, it's it's going to create demand, and and they've seen it that that hype. You know, just building up the enthusiasm of the of the buyers, and so uh, unfortunately, uh, people respond to that, and it works. Now, the new model is to just let people just sit at their computer and order it online. 
And there's a large part of the uh, the population that digs that. They love to just you know use one touch purchasing um, with Amazon and stuff like that. I'm I'm still a firm believer that the car, the automobile, is not something that you buy without checking it out first, driving it, experiencing it. Can you park it? Can you see out of it? Does it stink? You know, if you're buying a used car. I mean, I just, I'm sorry. I just can't imagine buying a used car and not actually laying my eyeballs on it. It makes no sense to do otherwise. Now, if you want to avoid a dealer, you know, what I try to do is, you know, just since it's probably inevitable for a while that you're going to have to interact with a car dealer, why don't you just take some tools in there with you? Now, I'm not talking about a, a an axe or something like that. I'm talking about some ideas that will help you get a better deal without having to, uh, um, you know, suffer through the consequences of not knowing. Uh, you know, one of the most important things is always to know what your trade is worth. Ballpark figure. You know, what what are you? Uh, what can you expect to get out of your trade in? Uh, what should you expect to pay for the new vehicle that you're looking at? Now, I know that if I go out for today, for example, and uh, go to a, a Chevy dealer somewhere and they happen to have a Corvette in stock that somebody backed out of, I'm not going to be able to buy that for MSRP um, because they can sell it to a broker for fifteen dollars to $20,000 over MSRP. So why would they sell it to me for MSRP? You know, that's a lot of money. That's a big difference. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, if I was sitting in your driveway and you knew that you could sell it to this guy or that guy, and this guy will pay you, you know, fifteen grand over, and that guy just wants to buy it for MSRP, which one are you going to sell it to? Well, you bought a lottery ticket, didn't you? Well, you maybe didn't, but you know, people have a profit motive. They they like the idea of winning one point three billion or whatever it was. Wonder what they're going to do with that and how many problems that creates. Well, they're going to find out. Some people say, "Well, I'd love to find out what it'd like to be a, be like to be a billionaire." Really? Well, I guarantee you, it would be complicated, but maybe in a good way complicated. So anyway, I'm going to Las Vegas and um, going to leave at six a.m. Get there at nine. It's funny how time slows down when you fly west. Uh, we will be going to the um, the racetrack, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, to test drive a whole lot of new products from Ford. I understand we have lunch there, and then they will take us to the Bellagio, which is a pretty nice hotel there on the Strip. And we will have a big meeting that night, big powwow, uh, probably show us a lot of new products. But the business meeting is the next morning. That's where they're going to drop the bomb on us, so to speak, and say, okay, if you want to be a Ford dealer and sell EVs, you're going to have to walk through this door. If you don't want to sell EVs and you just want to be an internal combustion engine dealer, uh, then you you just stay put. So I don't know what I'm going to do. depends on what it's going to cost. I mean, here we are in East Tennessee. Um, they're going to ask me to spend, you know, two or $300,000 on a bunch of equipment and stuff like that, maybe a supercharging station in my front yard, um, I might not do it. I mean, because I don't see people just rushing into the dealership to buy electric vehicles. We've got a Lightning sitting out here, and people come by occasionally and test drive it. It's a curiosity piece. Um, the Mach-E Mustang, you know, we've sold, I don't know, six or seven of them. And uh, people like them, but it's not like people are beating down the door to get them. So uh, this is something that we're going to have to watch monitor 
Now, they say that they're going to give us a second chance somewhere in the future, but the initial uh, situation will be that we will no longer be able to sell the Lightning if we don't sign up for their program, whatever that program is. So I'll let you know as soon as I get back just, uh, just what the deal is. Okay, so I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. All right, uh, I am back, the guru himself, here in uh, Greenville, Tennessee, small town America, but a great place to be. Um, you know, Tennessee is just ideally located. I really don't want the secret to get out, though. But, you know, here we are, I don't know, I'm probably 50 miles from the Smoky Mountains, as the crow flies probably 40 miles. Um, and that's a very popular place. Uh, East Tennessee is, you know, the Tennessee Valley in general. It's a weird state. I don't know. It's it's like three states, right? You have East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, which is Nashville, and then you have West Tennessee, which is flat. And Memphis is the main uh, city there. But uh, East Tennessee is very hilly. And then on either side of it, you have the Clinch Mountains on one side and, and the Unaka Mountains and the Smoky Mountains on the other side. And so uh, pretty place to live. Is it representative of America when it comes to EVs? Well, apparently not. Uh, people in California are the ones who are sapping up all the uh, EVs. California leads U.S. vehicle ownership or electric vehicle ownership, uh, accounting for about 39% of all EVs registered nationwide. Now, when you look real closely at the numbers, it turns out that EVs represent less than 2% of all vehicles on the road in the Golden State. So here's a reality check. We're a long way from a tipping point for electric vehicles. In fact, the EV revolution has barely begun in the U.S. That's what I've been trying to tell you. And it's playing out in super slow motion, even in places where plug-in cars make the most sense. Automakers are pouring billions of dollars into electric vehicle development in the face of urgent warnings about climate change. <laughs> but with more than 278 million cars, SUVs, and pickups overall on U.S. roads, the historic shift away from gasoline will take years, if not decades. This according to Axios. Yeah, I know, I was reading a little bit, but that's the news. That's what they're saying. And I just wanted to make sure you got to hear a little bit of it. Um, public retailers of new vehicles. You know what those people are. Those are auto dealers that are publicly owned. In other words, if you call up your broker, he can get you some stock in Sonic Automotive or Auto Nation, CarMax, somebody like that. So if you want, you know, I follow the stock values of those uh, companies. I don't own any stock in those companies. Um, but the public retailers are kind of the go-to source for information because it's they have to report so much to the SEC. But uh, despite some minor gains in new, uh, new vehicle inventory levels, it's not getting much better. Uh, new vehicle day supply improved by anywhere from two to five days between the end of March and the end of June. So we used to look at, uh, for new vehicles, we wanted at least a 60-day supply of vehicles on the ground. Um, right now, I don't have a three-day supply of vehicles on the ground, and most dealers do not. So that means instead of having a three-day supply, 
it went up between two and five days. Um, nothing to jump back flips over, and you're not going to see a lot of big differences in dealer inventories. I was in Greenville, South Carolina this weekend, drove by numerous car dealerships, and all of them were empty when it came to new vehicles. I was appalled when I drove by this, uh, uh, let's see, what was it, a Toyota dealership in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Now, Hendersonville is, I don't know, probably a 40, it might be a 30,000 population town, small town, but it is uh, a big tourist area. And uh, there's a pretty good-sized Toyota dealer there. He didn't have anything. He had a lot of used cars, but basically nothing. He wasn't even attempting to make it look like he had something on his lot. Um, they're probably getting selling everything they can get as fast as they can get it. Now, is this making the manufacturer's money? Well, according to um, Automotive News, it is. Most of the automakers that reported earnings last week say that they expect better chip supplies than the second half of the year, but they remain very profitable despite stubbornly low inventories. You know what? Well, when you think about Wall Street and what they look at, you know, they look at sales growth. You know, they look at the uh, ability of a company to reduce expenses. But the bottom line is is all that really matters. Are they making money? And these, you know, big automotive companies are making a lot of money right now. So do they need to really expand production? I don't think they do. I think they do to an extent. But are we ever going to see uh, the days of, like my lot, for example, where I used to have 300 new vehicles in stock? Am I going to see that again? Probably not. You know, and I don't really need that. I mean, I, I really don't need a 60-day supply of vehicles on the ground. I'd be perfectly happy with 20, 20-day supply, as long as they keep refreshing it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a fruit stand. Car dealerships like a fruit stand. You know, when that fruit is fresh and the baskets look all pretty, you know, like peaches when you're in South Carolina or something like that, and you drive up and they've got corn and peaches and Vidalia onions and all that stuff. And you you go up and you say, oh, that looks so good. That looks fresh. We just picked it last week or yesterday or whatever. And so you get your basket full and you go home and you're so happy. Well, if you go out there in a week and they're still there and they haven't sold much and the peaches don't look too good, you know, and the corn doesn't look very good. And that, what do they have to do when that happens? When it sits there for a while, they got to cut the price. Well, that's what car dealers have to do. That inventory gets stale. I call it, it looks like a car that's been sitting in Walmart's parking lot. You know, it just, it's not clean. It's got that, what we call lot rot. And uh, you might even see some spider webs, you know, connecting the tires to the ground. Uh, when that happens, the prices go down. When you have a really high supply and very low demand and they're not turning, that's when dealers get desperate, and that's when you see a lot of the, let's call, well, just like I was talking about at the beginning, you know, the practices of the big big gorilla in the front, you know, and the balloons and the high-pressure sales and the tents and all that stuff. That's just a sign that things aren't moving, and they need to get them moving. And that's when you need to really be careful about buying a car. So is that going to happen again? I don't think so in any time soon. A lot of dealers are still, they have a hard time breaking those habits. There's a dealer up the road for me that's just just screaming like crazy, you know, trying to get people's attention, saying the same old tired things all the time. And I think people are just, well, I think some people are tired of it. I think some people just, they don't, 
really watch the auto industry that much, and they don't think about it. And all of a sudden, they get in the market, and they're watching a, a you know a television ad, or they they hear something on the radio and say, "Oh, they're having a big sale." Well, what they don't hear is that they had a sale last week, week before that, two weeks before that. You know, it's just this ongoing screaming. Um, move for customers, and I just—it's something that is a turnoff. But I, you know, we don't do that at, in my business. But there's, there's still a lot of dealers that are, and uh, I think that's the kind of thing that helps give us a bad name, don't you? Okay, another thing I want to talk about today is you may go to a car dealership, and uh, you know they they have inventory online, and you go to buy the inventory, and it's not there. It's not on the front line. Where is it? Salespeople say, "Well, I don't know where it is." He goes and asks a manager. Uh, the manager says, well, that vehicle has a recall on it. It has a stop sale. Well, that's wonderful. You know, as short as inventory is, and all of a sudden you've got inventory that you cannot sell because it has a recall. Recalls are exploding right now. I don't know if you've noticed it. And it's not just Ford Motor Company. It's a lot of manufacturers. And uh, what happens is if there's a safety recall before a vehicle has been sold, then that vehicle cannot be sold. And so it, it's supposed to be moved off the lot. Now, you know, normally we floor plan our new vehicles, which means that we borrow money to carry our inventory. So, you know, if I'm sitting there paying interest on something, then, you know, I want to be able to sell it. Well, what Ford does, and General Motors and all of them, is they, they pay that interest. They basically take it off of the floor plan. And so while it's sitting there, uh, you're not paying anything for it. However, you can't sell it. Well, today... I was finally able to sell an F1. We have three F-150s that were on a six-month delay because of a windshield wiper problem, and they couldn't get the motors for it, and and also for a programming issue. So they didn't have the programs written to fix this particular uh, problem. So when programming is such a big deal right now because um, – you know, if you have, uh, let's say, uh, Wi-Fi on your vehicle, then pretty much if you park it near your house, then all of the updates can take place while you're going night-night. But uh, sometimes people don't have that. So in our particular case, we had these three vehicles, the three F-150s that we could not sell uh, because of this update and because of this wiper motor thing. But now we can. Guess how long it takes to update this uh, F-150? Eight hours. It has to sit hooked up to a computer for the update. But that's just the way it is. I, I don't know whether reprogramming the whole thing or not. They offered, um, Ford sent out this uh, notice, TSB, Technical Service Bulletin, and said that if you want this new Blue Cruise, uh, you can have it and, and your vehicle will drive itself. I said, no thanks. You know, that's just, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for electric vehicles, although I like electric vehicles. i I wouldn't buy one personally, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. But I, I travel too much, you know, and I look at the charging network. And I was in Greenville, South Carolina, looking for charging stations. I just said, honey, I'm going to see if I can find a charging station. I want to see how hard this is. We drove around, and we went to two different places. They said there were charging stations there. There were no charging stations there. There was a parking lot, and there were some real pretty crepe myrtles, but there was no chargers and so I don't know what the deal is there. Uh, I, I think Tesla has done a little bit better, a lot better job, tremendous job building charging stations. People know where they are. They just don't know how long the line is going to be when they get there. One of my very close cousins lives in Southern California, and he sent me a picture the other day 
of a Tesla charging station with a line of cars that I couldn't even count them. Um, they were just all kind of blocked, but it looked like there were probably 10 or 12 cars waiting in line to get to an open charger. No, thank you. You know, I, that's just not something that I'm going to do. I'm too impatient. I guess that's a personality fault. Well, uh, I'm going to take my last break and I'll be back here in just a second. I would encourage anybody out there within listening distance, if you have the opportunity to help those poor folks in Kentucky where all those floods are, um, I understand that there are all kinds of things you can find on Facebook groups. I don't know if the Red Cross or if they're involved in that, but um, that was a devastating uh, event for them. And regardless of what people think about what caused it, I know it was rain. And, uh, you know, people aren't really that concerned about what caused it. They're concerned about uh, where they're going to sleep and what they're going to eat and, you know, about replacing their stuff. So uh, let's do everything we can for those poor folks in Kentucky and maybe even in southwest Virginia. I don't know where else the, the major flooding was, but that's a, a quite the tragedy and something we need to step up for, don't you think? Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.